going today, guys? I'm back here live once again in the studio. Another episode of Hot Takes with TP3. Today is Tuesday, April 9th, 2018. Got Brett Baker back in the studio with me. Brett, say what's up to the people. What's up, everybody? We got a great show after a wild weekend of March Madness. Uh, the last weekend, unfortunately, I missed a lot of the games at work uh, in terms of you know the a lot of Good content in that Final Four matchup. I was able to watch the last game, which really wasn't the good one. The good one, if you want to lead into this one, was the Auburn versus Virginia game. Absolute thriller. I could not be more mad that I missed this game. Uh, it almost seems like it was better than the Virginia-Purdue game. In Ooh, a sense, it, was, it seems like it was close, at least, because Auburn was playing this with this, you know, like, like this passion that like spurred from a heartbreaking injury. They lost their best player and they were just like kind of rolling with this absolute like magic, uh, you know, kind of like we've seen the Auburn football team have, uh, I guess it's leaked onto the basketball court. You saw the greatest thing that I saw was the Auburn fans thinking that they won and starting to do their thing on uh tumor's corner. And they, they just didn't, didn't work out. And uh, that was my favorite part of those two games because I didn't really get to watch them because I was working. But go ahead with your take on this Auburn-Virginia game. I know you'll have some because it was a great game. Yeah, you know, actually, Auburn, yeah, it's a classic Auburn kind of. You know, they jumped the gun a little bit. Um, Auburn played well there for a while in the second half. Virginia kind of got up on them a little bit, started and they came back. pulling away. Auburn came back there and really made it a tight game. Obviously, everyone's always going to complain about the double dribble. Look, I understand, Auburn, that it probably was a double dribble. It was. It, yeah, I mean, it but was. But you can't foul a three-point shot. But, shooter. yeah, I mean, that and also on top of that, dude, you can sit there and complain every single game that's ever been played about bad calls that change the outcome of the game. You know what I mean? Six-point game. Yeah, I mean, there's always – there's I've seen so many games and so many just, like, sports in general that there's going to be bad calls throughout. It's just the human nature of the game. You can't let one bad call be the total outcome of the game. You know, I thought – both teams played a great game. And like you said, you know, Auburn kind of tried to play off some March Madness magic. I thought that Virginia's defense did a really good job of kind of shutting down Auburn. I mean, Auburn hit nine threes. And they was, ended, yeah, they ended the last four minutes. Auburn went on, what, I think a 12 to 14 0 run. Uh, I remember going to the break room and checking it, and it was like a 10 point game with like five to six minutes left. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, it's over. And came back and saw all that commotion with the double dribble foul call. Uh, it was a weird situation there at the end of the game, and let's face it, I mean, Auburn had a six-point lead with 17 seconds left. Uh, they don't, obviously, you can look at the foul call and blame that, or you can look at the double dribble and blame that, but, I mean, Auburn, Auburn didn't make the shots at the time that they needed to make it the most, although they did jump out to that lead. They didn't make the shots that they needed to. Kyle Guy absolutely stepped in mm-hmm. and drained three free throws. Absolutely automatic from the line. I love to see that. That's Those free throws have got to be the hardest. I mean, it's if you look at all the greatest teams in college basketball this year, a lot of them lost because of free throws. And, I mean, look at Duke. They almost lost twice. I mean, they lost... They lost once, and they almost yeah. lost the second time. I mean, because, they even lost to Gonzaga because of free Yeah, because throws. R.J. Barrett couldn't hit the free throw, exactly. and Zion yeah. Williamson missed a free throw as well. And, I mean, it, it's it's crazy that the uh, that basketball comes down to, you know, that this tournament really came down to two things, and it was free throw shooting and defense. And nobody would have really guessed that coming in, but that's what happened. And 
I mean, that game just seemed to be absolutely awesome. I'm horribly upset that I missed it. Uh, one of my biggest regrets of the weekend is missing that game. I should have just called out of work. Yeah, should have did, did it. Come on, should have just bro. quit, you doing, man. man? <laughs> yeah, you should just quit. Screw the job. No, but I actually thought DeAndre Hunter played really well in this game. You know, yeah, he played really well also Draft in the game stock, last night. Yeah, yeah. This we'll, we'll get we'll get to that a little later on, but yeah, you know, I thought. I thought that honestly the Virginia defense did a great job, but you know, like nobody on Auburn really carried the scoring load. If you look at the stats, I mean, they kind of frustrated the guards, Harper and Brown. Like mm-hmm. neither of them really went off. I felt like that. I mean, Auburn still tried to try to find a way to pull this one out, but I felt like that the Virginia defense really stepped yeah, and, in here. And Auburn was at a huge size disadvantage, mm-hmm. a huge size disadvantage. And I was really like, I mean, to their credit, they played a great game, and they did everything that they possibly could to kind of, um, you know stay afloat in this tournament after they lost their best player. And, I mean, it's it's tough. It's a tough loss for them for sure, but they should be definitely proud of that season. And, I mean, we'll just go ahead and move into the next game since there's really not that much to talk about. There is plenty to talk about about that game, but it's been beaten into everybody's brains about that last call at the end of the game. I can't even tell you how many times I've heard people argue about it or, you know, go back and forth about whether or not it was the right thing to do right there to that call. But moving forward, we had the Michigan State versus Texas Tech game. And this game was, I mean, Texas Tech's defense was just overwhelming. Yeah, second half, State. I mean, they they shut Michigan State not, down in the second yeah. half. They, all, they all scored him by eight points in the second half, you know. Felt like Cassius Winston, he's kind of a guy I talked about who had dominated for them in the past. Missed a lot of shots. Mm-hmm. They forced him to take a lot of bad shots. You know, I thought felt like they did a, just a really good job in general of just shutting him down. He only had two assists, and he's kind of the guy who runs the whole offense. They just completely stopped and stunned and, Michigan State's offense. I mean, Cassius, the fact that he played 40 minutes, only had 16 points, two assists. I mean, that's just a terrible game for him, two for 16. I mean, two for eight from three four for 16 from the field. I feel like they forced a lot of bad shots on Michigan State and really just frustrated them. I mean, Texas Tech kind of flexed their muscles and showed what that Red yeah. Raider defense is all about. And I honestly think that, I mean, it's just, you know, Texas Tech, like they found themselves on the right side. And I also felt like that Culver, although, I mean, he was three for 12 from the field. I mean, I just feel like though that him yeah. at the same time, he drew a lot of defensive attention and helped. He open did. Up for the and other he guys. also played well on defense. And we'll get into Culver a little bit later, but he was three for 12 in this game. And Mooney really shined. He was eight for 16 with 22 points. Uh, Culver shined at the end. Uh, he really played well at the end. He helped kind of mm-hmm. drive the nail into the chest of Michigan State. But how often do you see Michigan State held to 51 points? I mean, to win the game, having only 61 for Texas Tech is awesome. Mm-hmm. Like it shows, it really shows how good they are defensively. But to win the game by 10 with only 61 points is a whole different story, especially with you know an Izzo coach team, and it's. I really thought Texas Tech had a really good chance in the championship, which they did. I mean, they had every opportunity at the end of that game to win it. And on classic. Yeah, for sure. And do you want to go ahead and move into that? Um, wanna... Almost, but I actually want to just like Jane, or I think oh, that I Matt Mooney, that. like that he really deserves to get a shot. I mean, this is a guy who started yeah. out at Air Force's only uh-huh. D1 offer. Then he ends up transferring to, I think it was South Dakota State, and then he winds up at Texas Tech. I mean, he hit four threes in that mm-hmm. game against Michigan State, 22 points, 8 of 16 from the field. I mean, if you look at the rest of the offensive scoring, him and Culver are the only two guys who are even double digits. I mean, in a game like that, obviously it's that low scoring. You'll need a lot, but he dropped 22 in that game. He did drop 22. I felt like it was, Mooney it really. Was impressive. Yeah, 
he, was an impressive 22. He took it all on himself, you know. I felt like he really stepped his game up. I mean, he even hit some big shots, although we'll talk in the, in last night's game. I mean, we might as well go ahead over Let's to do it. it last night's Before game. Before we leave this topic real quick, though, I do want to touch on what I think is absolutely incredible. We'll probably get one more year out of uh, Cassius Winston, but... Zero free throws missed during his collegiate career in the NCAA tournament. That's absolutely incredible. Looks like you didn't jinx him. Does even make sense. I know we tried to jinx him. We, <laughs> you, I tried. You tried every, I tried every <laughs> yeah. in every sense of the word. Tried. I really did try to jinx him because I'm not a Michigan State fan. I'm actually very biased towards my dis- disdain for them. Let me guess. Is it because Kirk Cousins beat Georgia in a bowl game? <laughs> that's part of it, but no. I knew it. That's, that's every Georgia fan's that's not, reason. That's not necessarily part of it because that Georgia team was awful for one part. I mean, they weren't good. I guess yeah. they weren't awful, but they weren't good. But also because, I mean, it's just Michigan State. I don't like Izzo. Uh, I don't like the fact that they always win. I mean, it's just – that's just – my personal opinion on Michigan State, but mm-hmm. shout out to Cassius Winston because zero free throws during the entire turn. The highest pressure situation minus maybe an NBA Finals, I mean, or NBA playoffs. Yeah, I mean that's that's impressive, and I will give that to him and credit to him. But moving forward, the championship game, absolute classic, really, and it started off really slow. It looked like it was about to be the Super Bowl. Wouldn't you say? I mean, it was... I think Texas Tech started the game over 9 through the first yeah. 7 or 8 minutes. Yeah, the first 7 or 8 minutes was ugly. Bad. Like, real ugly. It was and 10 they points. Turned, they turned the it on. Like, Texas Tech started yeah, getting three sure. right before they got the a, half. The pace absolutely changed mm-hmm. on about 10 minutes. And, and I honestly think if they had played this game, you know, like a couple... You know, like how they did with the Final Four was, I guess, like... Six seven days later, or I guess six days later after their yeah. last game they had played, I think that it would have been a more defensive battle because yeah. they would have had time, you know, they would have had time to adjust from one another. Exactly. So I think that made it better because I mean, this was a game. I mean, the total was set at this game at 118. Uh, even before they went overtime, they had already torched this total. But I just love the fact the game. I mean, these are two of the best. These literally are two best defensive teams in college basketball. Texas Tech was the best team defensively and per 100 possessions in the last 18 years, and then on the other side. Things you had Virginia Tech, who was the best. Like they gave up the least amount of points against themselves, and they gave up the worst field goal percentage from the field against themselves. So I mean, I just want to say this before we get into the entire game itself. This game just backed up even more my point I've been making all year long about college basketball and about sports in general. So winning championships is not about who has the best player. It's defense. not about who has the LeBron James. It's all about defense and coaching. And, and coaching and depth, is really. yeah, coaching is defense. I mean, I wouldn't yeah. even say it's depth. Well, I'm it's saying just all in about terms coaching. of the starting lineup, if you have like one of the Duke's biggest flaws uh-huh. uh, as far as like pointing out another team that was good that people mm-hmm. were pegging as a favorite one of their biggest flaws was they didn't have depth even in their starting lineup in terms of scoring they had their yeah. big three but Nothing nobody else was giving them off the bench nobody else was giving them really that they weren't even giving them that many stats like I mean they weren't giving them that many rebounds that many defensive possessions where you know you made a big impact play and I think that 
that is part of the reason that Virginia and Texas Tech were so successful in this tournament because they were the top defensive teams. They, I mean, they were the top defensive teams yeah, in this tournament for sure. Defense is all, like I've said, all about coaching. and It's all about how you get set up and everything. And I think that ultimately, I mean, that was why these two teams were there. I mean, if college basketball, especially in college sports, it's not about who has the best young studs. It's all about who has the veterans. I mean, you got to obviously have, like, for example, Texas Tech has Culver sprinkled in there with all the veterans. Mm-hmm. Like, Virginia, obviously, is DeAndre Hunter, you know, Kyle Guy, too. Who will definitely play at the next level. And the, Ty Jerome yeah, as well. I mean, Jerome, it'll be Jerome, Jerome and Diakite. Jerome is a he's got a great feel for yeah, the Yeah, they'll play in the league, but they won't be anything special, those guys like that. But I mean, I feel like that I mean, that's what you need. You need like that one veteran, and then you need all and then you need the rest of the guy. I mean, you need that one, like, you know, like young stud, then you need the rest of me, the veterans. Like you gotta have that one lottery. It doesn't even necessarily have to be like one of the top five lottery picks, but you need to have one of those lottery picks, then the rest of them just need to be good, solid veterans. I mean, we've seen it happen time and in time out in college basketball. That's how it gets done. It's all about the veteran leadership who knows how to get through the tournament. You know, Virginia, I thought that this was just a great story in general for them winning yeah. this game. You know, they we watched Virginia. Yeah, they got embarrassed. Year. And, like, you even saw it. You know, Kyle Guy's Kyle profile Guy, picture yeah. all year on Twitter was them losing to UMBC. That was his profile picture from the moment the season started. It was mm-hmm. them. This team had a chip on their shoulder. They got reminded when they got bounced in the ACC tournament, just like Texas Tech did getting bounced in the Big Ten tournament, that it can happen like that. You can't take anything for granted. You can't go out there and expect to win. I mean, Virginia even struggled with the freaking 16 seed again mm-hmm. this year. They were losing at halftime. But Virginia never stopped. I mean, they seem like the team of destiny. Every single time we were watching a Virginia game, you're like, wow. Virginia's got to get and upset, they did, and they, they find a way help. to pull it. They I did mean, get help here and there from the referees. But you could also argue their the bad time, calls well, yeah, that against them in the say. games, too. No, hold on. That's what I was definitely going to say. But they were definitely, they were definitely a team that were getting calls, but at the same time, they played games out. And I think that was the biggest thing for them is that they never gave up hope. And their last three games combined, they were down by probably about if you t- totaled the tally up, I bet it was about 12 points that they were down in the and within minute of the closing minute yeah. of the last three games. And they were down every time in the last minute of a game. And they came back, they did the thing. I actually do have the staff that. Where's yeah. the stat guy when we need There's, him to the pull stat it out guy's for not us. here. Uh, it is what it is, but while you're looking that up, I have some stats that I want to rattle off. I think that they did not get enough recognition, uh, even though people did talk about them. I still don't think they got enough recognition. But Brandon Francis and Kyler Edwards were phenomenal in both games, even though obviously they didn't do as much. They didn't need to do as much in the mm-hmm. Michigan State game. But here's a little stat for you. When in terms of Culver not playing that well, they picked it up for him. Uh, they had 15 total points in the Final Four game and 29 total in the championship game. That makes for 44 out of their 138 points on the weekend, which is 31% of their total offense. If you add into the equation that they also had an ass- they had assist, they were they accounted for 53 out of the 138 points, which is 38% of their offense. Two players on their bench accounted for almost 40%. And, I mean, I don't think they got really enough recognition for that because uh, I think a lot of people are probably going to, this week, we haven't really seen the, uh, we haven't really seen all, all the, you know, pundits and stuff like that that are going to talk about this game. And, I mean... Besides, Virginia's victory was very impressive. Uh, I would say that Mooney was pretty impressive over the weekend, minus that game in which he kind of struggled. He played pretty well. But Culver's draft stock, 
does it take a hit even though he they were winning? Because I'm gonna just I was I was on the same boat as far as like shaking my head and being like, no, there's no way. I mean, he played good. He also played against the best defender yeah. in the nation in DeAndre Hunter. But at the same time, he is supposed to be a premier defender. And DeAndre Hunter had a great game. He scored 27 against him. And these are the stats for the weekend for Culver. 23.5% from from Ooh. the field. 23.5. And then he went on to shoot 11%, 1 for 9 from three-point range on the weekend. His final four game was not impressive. 3 for 12, 5 rebounds, 2 assists. His championship game was not impressive. 5 for 22, over 6 from 3. He did have 9 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 steals, and 1 block, which does help a lot. But he missed the potential game winner twice. He got it blocked, and then he missed it off the out-of-bounds or out of, off the inbounds play. And, I mean, I don't want to say that it's going to drop that much. He's still a top-ten pick. But are you kind of worried about that performance? Would you say you're worried about that performance if you're a scout, if you're you know kind of seeking potential? He's got a lot of it, and it's quite obvious. Honestly, not really. I felt like he really took over in the games against Michigan and Gonzaga, especially at the end of yeah. those games. I especially like the kinda, Gonzaga game. Yeah, I felt like he – I mean, he didn't shoot a great percentage in either of those games, but, I mean, he kind of put the team on his back at the end of the game when it mattered mm-hmm. most. I wouldn't really worry about it. I mean, Virginia's the best defensive team in college basketball. Yeah. You know that Tony Bennett was like, let's let's make – I mean, if I'm a team going into a game let's against Texas Tech, Michigan State, make somebody else. You know, he's getting the kitchen sink thrown at him on the defensive end, and he had to have somebody else step up, and that ha- that's what happened. That's shows the sign of being the best team. Um, my stat here for y'all about Virginia, I don't actually have the exact amount of points they're down, but they had a 9% chance of beating Purdue with 16 seconds left. They had a 4% chance of beating Auburn with 17 seconds left and 11.7% chance of beating Texas Tech with 22 seconds left. So, I mean, the fact they were able to pull those games out is absolutely crazy. I mean, going back there to just Virginia in general, this is a team that absolutely dominated college basketball this year. They lost three games, two of those to Duke, one of those to Florida State. I mean, I don't know if you feel differently about this than I do, but I think that this is the best team in college basketball, and the best team in college basketball won the championship, which is Virginia. I mean, even against the spread, they were unbelievable in the regular season. They yeah. were 22-7 and seven at one point. I can't remember what their final tally was off the top of my head, but I mean, the fact you could go 22-7 and seven against the spread is just it is being a big favorite. Like, that I mean that's just unbelievable I, th- I think they were the best team I think there was ways to beat them mm-hmm. and in terms of ways to beat them that also that required two things you having a great night from the three-point line and you playing great defense or somebody or banking on somebody having an off night in their offensive lineup in the terms of their big three and that just didn't happen uh, they they were absolutely phenomenal throughout the tournament throughout the season Um yeah, no, I thought that, I mean, Virginia, I just love the way they played in that game. I actually thought, I mean, obviously DeAndre Hunter, 46%, he had some huge, 46% DeAndre, from three. Yeah, I mean, he had some huge rebounds. I mean, he had some huge plays. Kyle Guy made the big shots. I actually thought the biggest player in the whole game, though, I mean, DeAndre, besides Hunter, was Diakite. I felt like he had some big-time rebounds. He had some big-time blocks. I just felt like when they needed needed a rebound or just something, I mean, he even hit his free throws, and he's like a 61% mm-hmm. free throw shooter. I just felt like that the rebounds, and what he did for them on the defensive end was unbelievable. I mean, he's a guy who can jump out the gym, but DeAndre Hunter was cold-blooded. He had yeah. the go-ahead three and the game-tying three. He had some two huge rebounds for them on both ends of the floor, and he deed Culver up all night long and frustrated him to no ends. I mean, DeAndre Hunter's draft stock definitely Definitely took jumped. a boost. I think he was the best player in the championship, in my mind. Uh, he made shots that, you know, are just 
uncanny. I mean, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was shots that you do have about. to make. That yeah. You literally dream about. And there were shots that everybody in the arena knew that if that shot didn't go in from the corner right there at the end, that they were going to lose that game. Everybody mm-hmm. in the entire arena knew that. He absolutely stepped into it and sunk it. Nothing but net. It was absolutely, I mean, it was. It was an incredible scene for that game. It was the best way to end a championship. Uh, I think that that overtime, they already had won it just based on his two clutch shots alone. He also hit another one in overtime, too, from mm-hmm. the same spot. And I think he was the most impressive one for me as far as a player within the championship. But, I mean, great, absolutely great championship. I think my favorite part about this uh, game was the fact that it didn't come down to, you know, one team struggling from the line. Both teams shot 87%. Uh, both teams shot really well from the line. They, yeah, Virginia, I think, I think it was 10 for 10 20, in overtime. Yeah, 20 for 23 from the free throw line was Virginia, and then 13 for 15 from the free throw line was Texas Tech. I think that's awesome. I think that the game actually played out the way it should have. Uh, no teams were missing free throws. You hate to see a game that just, like, a game that just comes down to a team just missing free throws. Mm-hmm. I hate to see that. Uh, we had we saw it with Duke getting booted. Yeah, uh, they missed one free throw uh, against Michigan State that really put the nail in the coffin for them. And they also missed the free throw against UCF. And uh, you saw it all throughout the tournament. I mean, you saw. I mean, even even the Purdue game uh, in which they won against Tennessee, didn't Carson Edwards miss one of the free throws that would have just won it for him in regulation? Or did he hit all three? I, I think can't. he hit I think he hit two out of the three. I think he might be he right. I the can't first remember, one. honestly. Yeah, he missed the first one. I remember because they showed the shot of his mom and she looked like she was about to have a panic attack. And then he banged the other two. So I'm glad that this actually played out with free throws not being an issue because I hate to see a championship game get just absolutely... You know, the box score is so skewed because one team wasn't hitting their free throws. So that's my biggest, uh, my my favorite part about the game was well, the my, fact that it came yeah, down to actual moments. It like, was that, and every single time you thought like Virginia was going to pull away in the Texas first Tech half, Texas Tech would come back. And they then, put the clamps on. Yeah, too. and then when you felt like Texas Tech was about to try to pull away and the game was over, Virginia came back. But, I mean, all around, that was definitely one of the best national championship games I've watched. I mean, but, one of the best March Madnesses, too, and I think as a to close out March Madness I feel like we should probably just talk about how much better the field is becoming each year I mean yeah, every well, year I feel like that all the Elite 8 Final 4 I mean obviously Texas Tech kind of pulled away in the second half of that game but I mean still all those games were really close which is a good thing for mm-hmm. college basketball but Actually, it was a really good thing for college basketball, honestly, how good all those games were. But looking back on this March Madness, what do you think will be the one thing you remember from this college basketball, from this March Madness? What do you think will be like your one biggest takeaway? I would say the one biggest takeaway, uh, can I do like two? Let's do two. Give me this one. <laughs> all right, fine. Let's I might it. steal yours. Uh, Carson Edwards just playing out of his mind, uh, almost James Harden-esque with the way he was getting to the free throw line and hitting big shots. When his team needed him most, uh, Purdue, absolutely great run. And I'd say my next biggest m- memory from this is that DeAndre Hunter corner three. I mean, that was absolutely big time. I mean, that was that's the shot that people are going to replay when I think that they go back to this game and kind of think about it. I mean, it was absolutely, it was kind of, I mean, I think that that is the biggest shot. Uh, you don't have a tournament this year that's kind of like, 
you know, the Villanova yeah. North Carolina tournament in which you had the page three and then the just three off a pop and stop pretty much, uh, right in somebody's face from about twenty four out, straight center center three point line, just banged it for the win. I think that obviously is the moment that everybody remembers from that yeah. tournament. I think this one was kind of a mix and match, and I think that Carson Edwards definitely has a spot there, and then the DeAndre Hunter three. See, what I'll always remember from this March Madness is that the best team somehow came into this tournament, lost to two teams all season long, yet still every single person doubted them and wrote them off, and every single person thought Virginia was not going to go that far. They were not going to go deep. They're Virginia. They choke every single year. I mean, Virginia was beat multiple times, like I just said. I mean, they had had barely, they had single-digit chances of winning three of those games, and somehow they still pulled them out and won every single time, and I think that's what I'll always remember is that Virginia was this close to losing every single time, but they set out from the first game of the season to prove a point ever. I mean, there was a reason they were 21-7 and against the spread. They, did, they probably knew what the spread was going to most of those games, and they were like, we want to whoop their ass and make every single team know that we're the best team, and I think that's what I'm going to remember is Virginia got, got absolutely embarrassed, the most embarrassing thing that could happen to you in college basketball being the first, yeah, number, the first one number one seed. Yeah, to ever and now they got their first championship. And now they're, yeah, now they get their first championship, so I mean, Virginia silenced all their doubters and I think that's what I'll always remember from this one. But and it gives you chills even thinking about. Oh, it, it gave me process. chills thinking about. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. Yesterday I was gonna pick Texas Tech all day long. Yeah, and I was sitting there. At and the I've gym been dancing and, with them all, yeah. all tournament. I was. I mean, I they were six and zero against the spread. And yeah, yeah. I've been dancing with them all tournament. I, I danced with them until that last league. game. That was the game when I was that that game against Michigan State was when I doubted them. But I mean, I was sitting there and I was like, look, there's no way I can go against Virginia tonight. They're the team against. De- they're the team of destiny. I was getting chills even thinking about it if they won that game. I like it. I like it. Thomas just realized that we are wearing the same shoes in a black and white except mine, combo. Except mine are cooler colors. But anyway, what do you what do we what do we want to talk about next? We want to talk Juju and Mr. Big um, Chest. So or yeah, we want to talk wanna, NBA MVP. Let's, let's, uh, I think we can kind of end with A B and Juju on like a funny note. because uh, the NBA MVP talk is all serious. It it's is pretty all serious. serious. Uh do you want me to I, would, I want to lead off with a stat, and then because I know you want to talk a lot about James Harden, so I want to lead off with a stat. So they did the uh, player vote on the MVP. Uh, it was a poll for players to vote on who mm. they think the MVP was this year. This is where it gets weird. Okay, so 44.3% voted James Harden as the MVP. That was the highest. Mm. But 38.9% voted Giannis Antetokounmpo. It has become a neck-and-neck race. Uh, I would say that Giannis gets, you know, one... Did they ever show got the third most? Or what, who it's Paul George at 12.7, wow. and then Joel Embiid had 1.7. More than Jokic? Yep. See, that's ridiculous. And here's Paul, here's look, where... Paul George, if the season had ended a month and a half ago, deserved to be third, yeah. but Jokic definitely deserves to be over you wanna Paul hear, George. You want to hear what the other 1% was total? What? Was Kyrie, Damian Lillard, and Kawhi Leonard, which is weird to me, but we're not going to get into that at all. Voted for Kyrie. I don't know. That's what I was wondering. I was like, Kyrie Irving, he probably has made a lot of chemistry issues with the Celtics. It was probably Kyrie, Kevin Durant, yeah, whoever else Kyrie, wants to meet yeah, up with him in Kyrie New York. Irving, and he was like, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, he probably definitely voted for himself, if I had to guess. I don't know who was voting for Kawhi Leonard. Maybe the Raptors trying to keep him there. But. That is beside the point. I think that this MVP race is going to come down to, you know, winning. And I think that the Rockets have really shown that they are the, a team that can beat 
a lot of teams in the playoffs, if not anybody in the playoffs, if they're hot. And the Bucks have just been consistently winning all year, but it has been in the Eastern Conference. So I'm just going to go. I, I can see you twitching and stuff. Uh, you're ready to get this James Harden talk underway. Let's go for it. Go ahead, Thomas. Hit us with your stat right, right. whatever you're going to do here. All right, I might be a little long-winded here, Brett, but hear me out before you interrupt me. All right. Here's how we're going to start it, guys. First off, I just want to say this about winning MVP. I mean, winning MVP now has become like, you know, it's the award I feel like has become bigger and bigger year in, year out. But James Harden had one of the most unbelievable seasons I've watched. I mean, he had multiple 50-point triple doubles. He had two 60-point-plus games, 61 twice. I mean, there's multiple games where he easily could have scored 70 points, yet he was just chilling because he used to play so many damn minutes that he needs some rest time. 36.1 points per game. We haven't seen this since, I believe, it was Kobe back mm-hmm. in, I think, like, 06 or something Before like that. Before that, Michael Jordan. Yeah, but no, actually, Iverson. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, no. Jordan, but Iverson, I think, was at like 34 or something yeah, he like was that. Under, yeah, he so was Iverson. 35 mark. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But I mean, Harden stepped his defense up, averaging 2.4 steals per game. But I think one of the biggest things is the fact of how unselfishly Harden plays. I mean, he still averaged six, 7.6 mm-hmm. assists. I agree. He's 6.6 rebounds. He's still able to do it when Chris Paul came back. I mean, he, he crushed the most three-pointers unassisted in the entire league. He had over 150 more unassisted three-pointers in the second closest player there. I mean, his team was dead in the water. 32-game streak. Yeah, the 32-game streak. I mean, his team's dead in the water. He brings them to potentially to the two seed. I mean, if they win tonight and the Nuggets lose either of these last two games, they get the two seed. So, I mean, that's another thing to think about there. But all in all, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I mean, Harden leads the league in win share. I mean, every every single metric, I would have to give the MVP award to Giannis. I'm not even going to lie. And as much as I hate to say it, that I have to give him the award. Look, this Bucks team was unbelievable this year. I mean, they took a team. I mean, if you look at their team, there's not, I mean, Chris Middleton made the all-star team. He's a good player, but he doesn't have a true, there's not another top 25 player on this team. You know, Middleton's probably like that 25 to 30 range. But But they are a team that's, they are a team though that doesn't necessarily maybe have like a premier second option with the exception of Middleton. They are a team that's deep. Yeah. They, they rely on a lot of guys to do a lot of things. Yeah, but I mean, I just feel like the way Giannis plays and the way that he comes to play every single night, you know, like, he doesn't care. That's what I'm saying. Like, he doesn't care at all, man. Like, I mean, he comes to play. Like, he, it even came out today when they asked him if he wanted to be in the new Space Jam. He said, no, I don't want to waste my time with that. I'm not getting caught that. up in Hollywood. I, I want to win it. basketball games. That's all he cares about. This guy comes to play with the biggest mentality. And honestly, I was on Harden winning the MVP. I think it's kind of stupid to say you use one game as your reasoning for picking someone to win the MVP over the other guy, but these are my three reasons right here for picking Giannis. First off, I'm going to use one game. That game against the 76ers the other night, they were losing the entire game. I mean, he's his uh, other starter, Eric Bledsoe, gets kicked out. They don't have Brogdon. I mean, they're down so many guys. Giannis, I believe it was 40, I want to say he dropped 45 points in that game, and he just absolutely, 40, yeah, it was 45 points in that game, absolutely put the team on his back, went head-to-head against Embiid all night. I mean, Giannis could probably win Defensive Player of the Year, too, along, mm-hmm. to go along with that, but I just felt like the way he went into Philadelphia, one of the hardest places to play in the league, and got that win. That was huge for me right there, seeing that. I mean, his team won 60 games this year. This is the only, they had the most wins in the league by four games. I mean, winning 60 games is is no joke, you know. Six, that's 60 games. They're basically unbeatable at home going 33-7, and seven, and three of those losses were when Giannis sat out for mm-hmm. being banged up and whatnot. But I mean, he really is, like, he gets after it. He plays up and down the court. He can't even shoot the three-point ball yet. And, he's and still I, able I love to- the way both of them play. They both have this killer mentality uh james harden and Giannis, mm-hmm. and 
I'm actually going to disagree with you. This is the weirdest thing that I Yeah, the weirdest agreeing. Yeah. I, uh, this is beyond bizarre for me. I thought you were 100% going to be on the James Harden boat, which is awesome because I guess I we get to disagree. But one of the main reasons that I think James Harden is you know, going to be the or I think he's the MVP is because he's coming off an MVP season and he's improved. And I think that's when you think about what he did last year to win MVP, it's impressive. Obviously, he won the MVP. Mm. He was the best player in the league. And then he comes in this season and actually plays better. He loses two of his main guys for a month, and he's still in a situation where he can get a two seed. Uh, This guy has averaged 36 points per game. He bumped up his defense. Everybody was talking about how James Harden can't play Mm -hmm. defense, all this stuff. He's lazy on defense. He was second in the league in steals. He had, you know, two point or well, two a game. He had two steals a game, which is incredibly impressive. The only other person with two steals a game was that was over the 1.99 mark was him and Paul George. There's two people. I think that the fact that he was also able to continue to facilitate without, you know, taking away from his mm-hmm. assist numbers in terms of, you know, being too drastic. He averaged 36 points. Seven rebounds, almost eight assists. Uh, the PERs for the player efficiency ratings between the two are almost identical. I think uh, Giannis edges him by maybe 0.3. Yeah. But that's really just because he has the size and he gets, you know, six more rebounds a game. And he's a freak of nature. I mean, he really is. And I think that while it should, shouldn't play against him, but in my mind it kind of does play against him because James Harden really, I mean, he's a freak, but he's not. You know Giannis, who looks yeah, like he's a not a laboratory. I mean, I mean, he really yeah, does. Yeah, he looks like he's he looks like a robot the way yeah, he's built. Yeah, I just feel like the MVP award deserves to go to the best player on the best team best in the team. league. And I Giannis, agree with that. I do, and, and I, I do, I do. Yeah, I do and I mean, the Bucks that, did win games when Giannis sat out and whatnot, where because he was injured, he had that ankle problem, obviously. But I mean, at the same time, though, I mean, Giannis, I mean, he went to war every single night, just about. I mean, he's. I feel like he he took that team to the next level. You know, that was a Bucks team. I mean, I was waiting on him. I felt like he was the player who needed to become more consistent night in and night out to take that Bucks team to the next level. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what he did. I also feel like this is one one problem that's going to hurt James Harden right here. I think this is the one thing that hurts him the most. All right, a lot of people disagree with this, but James Harden is the closest player in the league to LeBron, period. I'm not saying from skill-wise. I'm saying from every single year, James Harden is in the MVP race, and he could honestly – like, you could make an argument that James Harden that. could have won four out of the and last five MVPs. There's, there's a couple players like yeah. that. Russell Westbrook is one of those players in terms of just putting up absolutely mind-boggling mm-hmm. numbers that you're like, oh, that's an MVP. But yeah, and I also hard. feel like that at the same time when that you take into, take into effect that the Rockets played so bad at the beginning of the season and that Harden helped take him to the next level at the same time that's like holding against Giannis that he played so, so well, well at the beginning all, of the season yeah. Giannis was consistent night in and night out we knew what we were going to get from him every single night James Harden struggled some I mean it hurts me to say it I mean I hate the fact that I have to go against James but I have to be consistent here in picking what I pick and I think that he's the best player in the league mm-hmm. and I mean he showed up every night in and night out that was one of my main reasons for picking Harden against LeBron last year is, is how can you say oh LeBron's team's so much worse you can't fault him because his team's better and you can't fault him because his team played well all season long you know what I mean they shouldn't have to dig out of that ditch they should start the season out hot out the gate so I mean and and like I said I I do truly feel like this MVP race is you know coming down to one or well I would I should say I should rephrase that statement I think that James Harden's like his position in the MVP race is going to be determined by last year I mean it's going to be 
the same thing that's helping him win MVP this year is hurting mm. his chances at the same time because the fact that he's improved from an MVP season. Yeah. That's crazy, especially considering he's the gotten MVP. better every year. Yeah, in the considering league. the MVP season that he had last year, for him to improve and not just improve in small increments, he improved in a pretty substantial like seven way. Seven points per game. Yeah and, yeah, and that's absolutely incredible. His assist numbers dropped one assist, I think. I think it's one. Yeah. And, uh, it hurts him in the fact that Giannis has never won an MVP, and he definitely is a player that's going to deserve an MVP at one point mm. in his career. So I think that it helps Giannis in the fact that he hasn't had one. So yeah. I think that, I mean, it's hard. This year, I think, is one of the hardest ones in recent memory that I think it, it, it's almost impossible because you had Russ, like, a couple years ago, you had Russell Westbrook. You know, he was averaging a triple-double. First player since Oscar to do that. Yeah. And I think that that helped him. Obviously, that was the he was obviously the MVP. He had his MVP moments. Last year, you had James Harden, who was obviously the MVP. This year, you have Giannis emerge as one of these guys that definitely is going to win an MVP in the future, if not this year. And I think that that alone helps Giannis. But the fact that James Harden has improved that much is just incredible to me I think he deserves it simply I think James Harden is going to not deserve the MVP once he has a season that either dips or stays the same I mean what is the ceiling for this well, guy? Well, I mean, odds are he'll probably dip next year. Just uh, you would adds, assume, yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, you would assume unless he's I would assume last year he would have yeah. dipped. That's what I'm saying. I mean, you definitely would assume that. I just feel like they, I just feel like Giannis has had such like a perfect yeah. season winning all the game stuff. There's no way you can really find it. I just feel like it's more so that you can't find any points to go against Giannis rather mm-hmm. than that Harden didn't have the season that he had. I believe in giving it to the best player on the best team. I mean, shoot, the Rockets are probably going to get the second best record in the West. If the, if the Rockets could edge the Warriors for the one spot after the start they had, I think then is when you yeah. really have to give it to Harden. But at the same time, you also have to consider that the Eastern Conference is generally – I would say weaker in player pool, obviously, than the West. So, I mean, the West is a better conference. Everybody knows it. And I think that that... I don't think the East is that much weaker. No, I don't think it's that time. much weaker by any means. But I think that if you would have put the Bucks, If the Bucks were in the Western Conference, do you think they would have been the one seed? I don't. I don't think they would have been the one seed. I think they probably would have been fighting with the Rockets for the same position. Actually, no. I think the Bucks probably would have been the one seed. The Warriors had all those injuries. They did have a lot of downtime. I mean, the Bucks record. What's the Bucks record? I can't remember what their record is against the Western Conference, but I know they smashed the Western Western Conference. Conference. They went into Golden State and won. I mean, like they did. The Bucks didn't fear anybody. Giannis doesn't fear anybody. You know, and that's yeah, he doesn't. I I mean, I love Giannis. I love James Harden. It's the hardest pick to make. I feel like. Regardless, you could have been for James Harden, I could have been for Giannis, and we're still running each other in circles because it's just kind of like, I mean, it's going to be a coin toss almost when they get in to actually make this vote, and it's impossible to make. I mean, I'll just go ahead and say it. It's almost an impossible vote to make in terms Mm. of who is the best player this year, and it's definitely between those two, but it's it's a very hard decision, and I low-key feel bad for anybody that has to make it, but... Do you have anything else on that topic, or should we just go ahead and move forward? No, I feel like we kind of. Yeah, I mean, we're gonna run ourselves into a circle that's just gonna get larger and larger. Yeah, and, that's I what mean, I'm it's saying. it really is an impossible choice. But moving forward, we're gonna end it on a little bit of a fun note. I get well, not a fun note, kind of a sad note. 
uh, to see. Yeah, this honestly pissed me off. It I mean, did piss me off. I was a big. I've always been a big Antonio Brown supporter. I always like watching. And him I like Juju too. I like watching the Steelers. I don't think Juju did anything wrong here. I don't. I thought what Antonio Brown did was absolutely arrogant, disrespectful. You know what? The, you know the saying that money changes people. Antonio Brown gets the money and he just becomes a cocky asshole straight up. I mean, so that was just the most cocky like asshole thing I've ever seen. Honestly, him posting that picture of Juju asking for advice. I think before if anything, you, before you get into it, we'll just lead them in. I don't know if I would feel like most listeners. Yeah. Here, know. I'll let you recap yeah. what happened to recap. What Thomas is talking about right now is essentially who Antonio Brown opened up with a tweet that said, keep your emotions off. Twitter or off social media, uh, mm. kind of a jab towards Juju in a sense, and they kind of went back and forth a little bit, and he, Antonio Brown, pretty much shamed Juju for fumbling on, with a season on the line against the Saints, and then you know Juju came back and said, you know, man, I don't know why you had to do that. I've showed you nothing but respect and love throughout your career. Blah 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 blah. And Juju was right to do that. It made him look good. He took the high road. I, I like that. It could have ended right there. Should have ended right there. And then Antonio Brown came in with a, you know, a picture of a DM from Juju Smith-Schuster when he was at USC. And he pretty much was asking for any advice that you know he could help build on and make a successful career in the NFL. Pretty much gave him, uh, told him that he respected his work and loved what he was doing on the field and off the field, which is funny now. He tweeted or he posted it on his Instagram, Antonio Brown did, and tweeted or had the caption dot 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 with a microphone hashtag on to the next. I mean, obviously Antonio Brown's ego has clouded his judgment to the point where, I mean, that makes him look so bad. And it makes Smith Schuster look so good in terms of their argument that was really a one-sided argument. It was like a one-sided beef. And I don't get it. I think that if you want to, you can go ahead. I have one thing that I want to close on. Yeah, I mean, I thought Juju handled it relatively well. You know, I mean, he did. I, I thought it was completely For a young ridi- guy. Yeah, I thought it was completely ridiculous. Antonio Brown. When I saw him say that, I was like, "What a clown, dude!" Like Antonio Brown's always doing all this stuff, trying to get all in the media. He's on LeBron show talking. He's at the All Star game talking. Like, all he does, Antonio Brown does, is run his mouth. You know, like I think if anything, so you know, I honestly want to see somebody come in and just absolutely just pop Antonio Brown. Yeah, you know, like and you he know what's really funny? Was, he, he was my favorite non Falcons player in the entire NFL. I mean, just the fact that he's just acting so cocky and so ridiculous. I can't stand him anymore after this. this like, is, I, that's what I was going to end on. The popping Antonio Brown. This is this is absolutely ridiculous. Okay. Vontaze perfect. Dirty hit in the playoffs that one year. First round of the playoffs. Hit Antonio Brown on a slant route. Pretty much took his head off. And within the same game, Juju Smith-Schuster absolutely blindsided. Cleanly blindsided Vontaze perfect on a block. And absolutely destroyed him, stared over at him, and pretty much, I think he even tweeted about it later on, about that was for He did Antonio it as Brown. a celebration yeah, the next yeah. week. He did it, yeah, he, that was for Antonio Brown, pretty much. And, I mean, this is a guy that showed nothing but respect to him. Mm-hmm. And now, he's on the Raiders as a teammate with Vontez Perfect. And, I mean, I don't know why you would even put your head out like this. You're putting a target on your, on your back. Uh, defenders don't like that. Nobody likes that. Nobody in the NFL respects you after that. I think that you, honestly, the best way for him to handle this, I know he's too much of a stubborn ass to really even address this situation, but he needs to apologize. Uh, I think that 
that would be his best course of action. I know he's not, but I think that he should because that was that was Bush League. I don't even use that term very often because mm-hmm. I think it's pretty like, uh, I mean, it's kind of overplayed sometimes, but that was seriously like that was the lowest of lows that I've seen a player go to social media for that. And it's kind of funny because he's just keeps on contradicting himself, you know, mm-hmm. like keep your emotions off Twitter. Keep your emotions off social media. He keeps He's a clown, it. dude. He's I can't even take clown. him seriously anymore. And I think it's ridiculous that he did that. I mean, uh, there's nothing else we can say about it. It's kind of the same situation with the MVP talk. You go on about this, you know, situation, mm-hmm. and we're just kind of like, I mean, wow, what a dick. Yeah, if anything, Antonio Brown made us all recognize even more so yeah. what it was in Pittsburgh. You know, he was absolutely – honestly, I was expecting Juju to kind of roast him, but I mean, like you said – He didn't, could, and he's a young yeah. guy, and that's impressive that he was able to hold back. Yeah, no, I respect Juju even more because Juju could have easily just, just torched him for skipping you know, and whatnot, but I mean – And he, to end things – to end things nicely, I'd like to – go towards the other Steeler that was causing kind of drama within the Steelers organization, and that's Le'Veon Bell. And did you see James Conner texted him personally and was kind of like, hey, man, with all the things that are going on, I just wanted to tell you that I really respect how you kept a professional all the time. Uh, You didn't, you know, you didn't ever make an issue. You were never dramatic. You always showed love to everybody on the team, even if you weren't playing. Mm -hmm. And I think that it shows the difference between Le'Veon, who just wanted to get paid, and Antonio Brown, who was legitimately mad that other people were finding success in spotlights. I mean, that guy, talk about an ego. And I can't wait to see what John Gruden says about this in terms of, I mean, obviously we're not going to hear it, but in terms yeah. of addressing it in the locker room, you got to. Mm-hmm. And when do, do they play this year? I don't know. I don't I know think if they play each other. I've been wondering the same thing, too. I'm, dude, I can't wait for that game whenever it happens. It, Good yeah. God. Yeah, Antonio Brown's going to have a target on his back, but... I mean, that's all I got. You got anything else you want to say for this episode? I do want to leave it with a... This is going to be a segment I'm literally throwing in on the spot. Um, let's go. This is the uh, the wow bet of the week. Okay? All right. So, evidently, somebody has bet $85,000 on Tiger Woods to win the Masters. A guy who hasn't won a major in 10 years. He would win a payout of one point nine. Or $1.19 million. And this guy's feeling nostalgic, man. I mean, the last time... I'm feeling nostalgic. I think Tiger has a good shot. Um, the last time... I know you, Thomas isn't as big into golf as I am, so he's just going to let me have this moment. But the last time that Tiger won a major, Game of Thrones was in its first season. Oh, my gosh. Game of Thrones... is in its last season on Sunday. Opens up its last season... The world might be, you know, coming full circle. We might be getting literally the the connection of the circle. Tiger Woods might just out of nostalgia win this thing. It would be awesome. That's something to keep an eye out for is Masters all I'm weekend. Gonna, all I'm going to say about that bet is that guy broke the number one rule of betting, and that is you don't bet with your heart because that is clearly betting with yeah. your heart. I mean, he should have uh, thrown $80. He, bet, in the, he broke a lot of things. He should have just thrown $80 in the pond on what hole is it? Is it 16 or 15? It's uh, what do you mean? Yeah, fifteen. Yeah, fifteen. Yeah, 15, the, yeah. yeah. yeah the whole fifteen. You should just thown it. You should just thrown that eighty-five grand or eighty-five grand in that. So yeah, I mean, but I mean, 
can't fault the guy. Uh, he also broke the other rule in betting, and that's don't put all your eggs in one basket. <laughs> yeah. Because he put them all in and, one basket. And I don't think it's as shameful putting all your eggs in one basket, but I mean, you can't bet with your heart. That's just breaking one. That's one of my pet Easter's peeves. Coming you can't bet with your Easter is coming up, so maybe yeah. he was right in putting all his. Uh, yeah, who knows? Maybe he's got a couple more Easter I don't know. Eggs. Maybe he knows sure. something we don't, but yeah. I love it. I think it's uh, at least going to make the Masters extremely entertaining for him, <laughs> mm-hmm. unless, you know, he's missing the cut or something. But. I think that uh, this Masters is going to be a great one. Uh, a lot of players are stepping up at the right moments and playing really well lately. Uh, so definitely tune into that if you aren't planning to already. Other than that, me and Thomas are going to have a podcast out pretty soon with the NBA playoffs talk. Um, we're going to kind of get down to the nitty-gritty. It'll probably be recorded tomorrow, so we won't know ex- exactly the full scope of the uh, you know. The matchups, but we probably should have a pretty good idea. So we'll get on that tomorrow. Other than that, Thomas, go ahead and take it away. Um, that's about all we got for you guys. Once again, I appreciate everyone tuning in. Uh, got big plans coming up for y'all here for the uh, NBA playoffs. I can't wait for everything to get kicked off. We got a big podcast coming for y'all and all that good stuff. Appreciate everybody who's been listening to us over these last couple weeks. It's been really fun talking about March Madness. I'm going to miss it. Luckily, I like how they kind of changed everything up. So March the, Madness leads right into NBA. Oh, yeah. No, we'll do the power play. To, trust me, we still got a power play segment coming up for y'all. So y'all be ready for that. But once again, we appreciate everybody tuning in. We got tons of good stuff coming for y'all. See y'all. We didn't, miss, or we didn't mention Zion Williamson's name. So I'm doing that right now. Peace, guys. <laughs>